0: Hello, Tim. Greetings.
1: Hello, Zach. How are you?
0: I'm well. So I've been thinking about how to open today's show and I, and I've been wanting to say this. So I I just remembered it the other day and I was like, okay, I need, I need to do this. So forever. I used to always talk about how I thought plans were, were ridiculous and things like that. However, those who have no plans to get anywhere, they don't really know what to do, right? And so it's it it it's I'm changing my mind on this. I don't think you need a full yeah. on hundred page business plan, but I think you need to have a lot more concrete like to do list, marketing list, things like that. So anyone that ever yelled at me about my stance on that, I'm changing my mind and I'm going with you. Uh, I'm jumping to the dark side. Now I don't think again no hundred page business right. plans or anything like that. Right, but concrete, you know, problem solution, uh, what you're actually doing. A little bit of action plan of how you're going to make that thing work. Yeah, that's my new stance.
1: Well, I think that I think that we've had the, the similar stances. I think that anybody that, that uh, sits and does a, a, a business plan that it extends four, five, six months, and then uh, without finding out if there's any customers or if they're solving an actual problem, I think that there's. We agree that there is some serious jeopardy. And involved, making like sure that,
0: that people. Yeah, I think we agree with that, right? So, and then and yeah. making sure that people will actually buy the thing, even though they're saying that they like it, or you yeah. know, you know fi- figuring out if that thing, like, because I feel like you can ask a lot of questions in in you know customer discovery, and I think you can get a lot of people who might even um, give you money in that situation, but actually yeah. don't actually become a customer when it becomes live. So yeah,
1: I think, I, I think the other thing too, I, I've Is really looking back, even if you have an outline on where you want to go, but just making sure documenting your wrong turns as you're getting there so that you're not continuing to just make four left turns and continuing to make a a circle and then you end up at the same spot every single time. I think that uh, documenting what happened, looking at those lessons learned, and then uh, learning from that moving on is often overlooked as well
0: when i was super hyped into like triathlon training i would every day write a little something about that i haven't done that in a while <laughs> yeah so that brings us to today's guest mark how's it going hey Mark. doing well how are you, how are you guys I'm doing great. Uh, anyone who knows me from my journalism days knows that whenever there's a last name that I thought I could pronounce, then get the real pronunciation, decide that I'm not going to do it. I just call you by your first name. So um, that works. Shackney's Snackney's. is it? Snackney's. Shackney's. Shackney's. Yeah. Yep. See, than Tim did what I did. He added that extra N in the beginning. I think. Yep. Because I oh, wanted to say snack, but yeah. it's shack yeah. like shack, like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shack attack. Well, you guys have met before. You and I have known each other now for seven minutes. Um, congratulations on, on 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 you guys knowing each other before me. But uh, I, I always enjoy these because you never know where the conversation is going to go because you don't know mm-hmm. much. And, mm-hmm. and and I think they're exciting. So welcome, welcome. full, to...
1: full slate of questions that can be asked because everything is new.
0: No, thank you guys for having me. You, you grew up in the Northern Virginia area, or you just live there now?
2: Uh, just kind of live there now. I was DC was sort of base camp. I grew up internationally. and My parents were foreign service, so kind of tours all over the world. Uh, but then I went to Mason undergrad, GW for grad school, and and DC, Northern Virginia has always been sort of
0: base camp.
1: Hmm. Nice.
0: Yeah. Where where did you decide that a business was something for you? Is that something that you had always? done because of your international travels uh, do you have a, a relative like like where where did kind of the entrepreneurial roots yeah no it's it's weird i mean if anything themselves. what i what i do has
2: nothing to do with my international you know upbringing uh I, I very much miss you know the kind of travel and the experience and being in all those different cultures um no for me my real passion throughout life has been real estate i guess that's a unifying characteristic everywhere you go cuz the physical built world is is you know so visual and striking uh, in all the different cities, and so that that very early on created a fascination uh, for real estate. And so you know, my three legs of of my stool for my career has been sort of real estate, finance, and technology. And for the longest time, those three things didn't necessarily work well together. Um, but obviously, increasingly, technology—you have this confluence of. You know, technology improving old industries, and so that's that's where my uh, fascination lies. Is you know how do you take these big important asset classes and you know, frankly, bring them up to modern age through through technology?
1: Yeah, that's really. It's interesting, just in the sense of real estate is so big. I mean, it is just a monster, and the more the more complex it is to disrupt the bigger the upside is. Um, with Nifty Door, how has been that disruption process for you? How did you determine what it is that you wanted to do, how you wanted to start? Uh, and then just give us a, an overview as far as what is Nifty Door?
2: Absolutely. So I might go back just uh, 30 seconds before this one because you know we were real estate operators and we had a startup prior to this, which was called Remine. And the thesis there was very simple. It was, let's take a lot of data to and, and use some AI and let's basically automate workflows and derive actionable insights, right? So let's use the data to be smarter and faster. And that thesis was put the agent at the center of the transaction because agents are sort of quarterbacks of transactions in real estate. Um, and then we scaled that business and sold that business. And then with Nifty Door... It's kind of a flip side of the same coin, which is let's start with a lot of real estate data, let's use AI, let's automate and, and do intelligent decisions. The reason we went into the finance side is that, you know, obviously technology is trying to improve all these things, but anybody who has ever gone through a mortgage uh, probably would share the similar belief, uh, statement here that there's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, and the reason for that is there's a lot of different steps and historically all those different steps are very manual, which leads to just a really frustrating and very costly experience. And so our obsession was we can automate this. And so what nifty door does, it's a digital home equity, um, lender. And the first thing we do is it's digital mortgage. So we are taking a very, very manual process and completely automating that autonomously. And the reason we chose home equity is more opportunistic than anything. And that's simply that interest rates have doubled, more than doubled over the last 12 months. And so the purchase side of the business has headwinds and the refi business is completely dead. So home equity, when interest rates are high, rather than refinancing your whole entire mortgage for the benefit of borrowing a couple more bucks, you're far better off just borrowing the exact amount of money that you need. And this is a very important thing because, you know, for most Americans, um, their home equity is their largest component of net worth, and it's traditionally illiquid and hard to access on demand. And that, that's a problem because it's an important asset class and people need to have you know fluid access to uh, to be able to tap it if they need to.
1: Why do you think that why do you think this hasn't been done yet uh, or are you the first to do it or are there other players?
2: No, there's definitely other players. I mean, you're, you're talking about one of the largest TAMs, t- total addressable markets out there. The Federal Reserve says there's $29 trillion of equity. We look at a different stat. Both the Mortgage Bankers Association and Black Knight Financial Services quote it as being $11.5 trillion of tappable equity. And what they mean by that is you could tap up to $11.5 trillion and stay underneath an 80% loan to value. The reason that's an important distinction is that underneath eighty percent, generally speaking, that's considered a qualified mortgage. So within this space, you know, you have a lot of big players. The largest brand in the business is is Rocket. They have a home equity product. Um, you also have some other uh, third party groups like Figure, Spring EQ. They have good programs as well. Where we're differentiated is in a few things. Um, number one. We are completely focused on home equity. So, this is not just one of many products we offer. This is the only product we offer. And so, we don't want to just be good. We want to be the best. Number two is we have a truly, fully digital mortgage application. This is an important distinction. Um, you know, people tend to overuse words like, for example, in real estate, everything's luxury these days, right? I don't think I've ever seen a piece of real estate that you don't slap luxury on it to the point where it's almost rendered it meaningless. Right? The same is true for mortgage. People say that they have a digital mortgage company. Well, let's define what that means. To us, digital means fully autonomous. That means you can go from a one-minute online application, get a receive an instant pre-approval, have full underwriting, full processing, all the way to funding being done digitally. Now that doesn't mean you can't call us or email us. There's people like my mother who loves to talk to people and she could call us up and talk about the weather or sports or whatever floats <laughs> or boat. But the point is, this is an autonomous piece of software using data and AI and automated workflows to facilitate a loan. Those other groups, they use bits and pieces of technology, but okay, congratulations, you fill out an online form I now need to upload my, my uh, tax returns and some poor guy is going to have to go print it, read it, pour a cup of coffee, ask me a bunch of questions that's going to frustrate me, frustrate him, rinse and repeat, not a great process. So we wanted to make sure right out of the get-go that we were really solving for this pain point, which was pure digital, um, you know, mortgaging.
1: So with the, with the the current process or the old school process, if you will, how long does that take for someone that wants to uh, take out a home equity loan?
2: So there's there's two different components. The, the The most important distinction is what's called clear to close. Clear to close basically means that we have given you an offer. You've accepted the terms. We have given you all the disclosures because as you can imagine, this is a highly regulated space and there's pages and pages and pages of disclosures that are mandated by the government to make sure that you are an informed borrower and once you sign those and we've underwritten you that is a mutually binding uh, arrangement where we are now clear to close the government now mandates that you get an additional depending on the, the product anywhere from three to an additional 10 days of what's called a right of rescission this actually gives the borrower the unilateral right to basically sleep on it um, and make sure that this is really something they want to do. Because obviously when you're talking about residential debt and it's a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, it's a great utility. The downside is that if you mismanage that, obviously, and you go into default, that's not a great day. And so Mm -hmm. I, I totally support the CFPB's guidelines of this right of rescission. But to answer your question, we can actually get clear to close the same day, which has never been done before inside of uh, mortgages. And so you can be fully locked and loaded for a day, and then the funding will trail you know, anywhere from three to, to 10 days thereafter.
1: Are, the, are, are there it, any, any limits in terms of how much, how long is the payback period? Um, and is there any limitations? Like, can you pull out $50,000 and say, hey, baby, we're sinking this into Bitcoin or or, or ETH? You know, what what can you use that money for?
2: Yeah. So on the use of the proceeds, I mean, it's your money, right? That's the whole purpose here is that this is your home. You have equity. We make it liquid and on demand. So you can go use that. I mean, obviously, as a responsible citizen, I would encourage you. I heard you guys talking about (laughs) going on a cruise. You could use the money on a cruise and blow it at the casino if, if that is the highest investment. Don't you, say that. To you. Don't you um, say that? But mm-hmm. here, here are some very, here here are actually this, the, the the cases that we find to be the best use case. One is anything home improvement related, right? Because this is your prized asset. If you think about redoing your kitchen and bath, right, um, that is both increasing the value of your home for your enjoyment and what a better way to finance that. And through your own home equity, it's a bit of a self fulfilling, you know, uh, cycle there. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Debt consolidation is another great one because you know, obviously, interest rates are, are increasing across the board, which also means that um, you know, credit cards are at a twenty six year high. The average credit card rate today is eighteen percent, and they go as high as thirty percent right now. So if you're if you have any of that really high interest rate great time to kind of get out of that and do some debt consolidation using a home equity loan. Uh, people do it to finance tuition for their kids, buy a car, but, and actually, you know, look, I mean, if, if you're long overdue for
0: a family trip, um, you can, you can use that as well. So in the situation, I, I mean, it, it's, so this is your traditional home equity line of credit, but being able to pull it out without all the, the BS that you have to go and get a, at an, at a traditional bank. That's exactly what it is. So it is. Yeah. I couldn't have actually said it better. I
2: might, I might borrow that and give you the, the full credit rights for please, that. Please do. Ba- I'll take. percent. Oh, well. Okay. But basically at the core of what we do, it's, it's old school, it's plain vanilla. Sure. It just is, with,
0: it, the, with a, with a, it's your your aspect, aspect to
2: it. But to your point, we've removed all the bullshit, right? So if you wanna borrow your home equity, it's the exact same product. And yes, you can go to many, many banks and traditional lenders offer this exact same product. So at the end of the day, the product is the same. The difference is some people right now, I've heard 71 days, I've heard 75 days, I've heard 90 days, I've heard 60 days. So yeah, if you wanna go take 75 days, and not only is it just the time delay,
0: it's probably- oh, for them to make a decision?
2: for them to get to closing. And there's probably three or four weeks of underwriting, probably a hundred back and forth emails. Yeah, yeah. You will spend the next three weeks, just clear your calendar of all the forms you're gonna have to upload and go yeah. on the back and forth. If that's how you wanna go, then you're gonna get to the same end thing.
0: So it's what similar offer- to when you buy a buy a house, you the mortgage back and forth, the BS there, which we, we've had a, a mortgage lender on before. And I asked the question, why is there so much back and forth? It seems ridiculous. I think yeah. the answer you articulated is pretty good is it's a manual process, right? Where you yes. got to go back and forth, blah, 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 blah. But so I think, and I think you just answered this, but when you, the mortgage aspect of that takes forever. Right. And it's, it's a complete, um, annoyance, but if you get home equity, you get a home equity line in that it's the same nonsense going back and forth as if you were in mortgage and maybe even a longer process, yeah getting getting a home equity line is is fundamentally
2: like getting a mortgage. Uh, they're just called seconds, right versus first. So a first yeah. mortgage is, if you think about the order of the priority, uh, your first mortgage with pick a bank chase, right, is sitting in that first position. Home equity is a second lien that's subordinate to that first lien. But the fundamental process, you are getting a mortgage, we have to go through a federally mandated approval process. Um, and so we are fully compliant and licensed as a mortgage lender. The only difference is that we are going through an automated process that takes seconds to minutes, in some cases hours, versus weeks and months. And that's just purely because of automation.
1: And, and circling back, what, what is the typical payback period for a home equity line of credit?
2: So, our loans are set right now as just a fixed 25 year amortization. And mm-hmm. the thesis there is that you generally want your second to be coterminous with your first. So, 25 year doesn't solve it all, but it's kind of plus or minus the same. Um, and we had to have a starting point. Look, we're, we're entrepreneurs, we are a startup, we just launched, and you kind of have, you, you know, you got to start with something. So that's our first product. We will, of course, add all the bells and whistles to adjust you know, solving different timelines and whatnot. But a more important question is, how long is somebody gonna actually own this mortgage? And this is a very misunderstood thing in the industry because on one hand, mortgages are typically 30 years. Yes, you can do the 15. Yes, you can do the 25. Yes, there's even 40 years now. But guess what? Nobody holds a mortgage for 30 years. The average person you know, refinances or, or, or sell, buys or sells a home every three, five, seven years. Mm-hmm. So you have a term loan that's way beyond the actual useful life of the thing. But in practice, you know, home equity loan, people are using it for maybe two, three, four, five years. And it's also very subject to interest rates. I don't claim to have an interest rate crystal ball, but I think you would all agree with me that we are, we are in interesting times We just came off of a 40-year downward cycle on interest rates, and they bottomed at 2.5% last year. Um, We are north of 6% today. What's going to happen in the future? I have no idea. But that's an extreme shock to the period of time we just came off of.
1: In comparison to credit card interest rates, it's still cheap money.
2: It is. And, you know, I, anytime people talk about relative terms and like whether it's sports or interest rates or, you know, people be like, oh, I remember in the 1980s, uh, interest rates were 18 percent. Like, OK, I don't know how useful that comparison is. I don't know anything in life where comparing it to the 1980s is helpful. But yeah, OK, on a relative basis, it's, it's not bad. But just go to a mortgage calculator and type in what you could have afforded as a home at 3% and see what you can afford with the same payment at 6%
0: and, right. and be prepared for your jaw to drop because it, it ain't pretty. Yeah, that's so who,
1: super significant.
0: So, who, do you, I mean, do you have a backer in this situation? Do you have a bank uh, paired with you? How, how are you able to to do that aspect of it?
2: That's a very good question. Um, and, so and while you're
0: a, answering that, can you, like, as yeah. a startup founder, too, in there, like, was that a hard thing to maneuver? Because I can imagine banks, historically, are not those who like to do risky things, yet you're a startup founder. What? How How is that aspect in there?
2: It's that, a great question. It's actually the very, very first thing we did. Because we knew that, okay, we're going to go... So we started this, basically at the end of last year, right? So call it Christmas time last year. And believe it or not, interest rates were at 3%. And I don't claim to be a genius here, but I I did have a thesis that we were about to go up in interest rate. Uh, I thought to 4%, I did not anticipate 6%, but I knew that interest rates had to go up. And so we said, let's start a home equity platform. And for better or worse, home equities, our second deeds of trust. Whereas with first Fannie and Freddie, which are the two government sponsored entities that purchase over 90% of all mortgages. So first mortgages, super efficient capital markets. Seconds do not have that at all. So for seconds, you are truly on your own, which basically means you need to go get a proprietary source of capital markets. So we knew that even if we could build this technology, guess what? nobody cares if you don't have you know the funds to flow through the the tank which is why i think it's a great question so the very first thing we did was to go and kind of survey the landscape of where could we go find a lot of cash for this program with people that know it appreciate it appreciate the nuance of seconds etc and so we got on planes trains and automobiles found some partners that um, have been in the space for 20 years, uh, love it, and they said, okay, great. If we can do this, do you guys want to do this? And they, they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely, because we become a proprietary origination source for seconds. And so this partner, I can't name them, but they're, they're a big um, Wall Street type of conduit, you know, former Canner Fitzgerald guys, and basically they are our permanent and initial backer And then the way capital markets work is you start with a lot of money, you go and originate loans, which means you know, pushing that money out. Once you've spent your money, you basically go and sell these loans to institutions like pensions, insurance companies, et cetera, that repatriates the dollars. You've reloaded it and now you can go and and re-originate it. That's kind of how the capital market, you know, velocity of capital machine works.
1: That's fascinating. And that, then, and that's just kind of the cycle, uh, it, it, like as for in terms of then there are they, they're just bundled in groups of packages, so to speak. And then, uh, they sell that, the package of those loans to another institution. Is that,
2: that's exactly right. And you can, if you think about like the pension institutional world, everybody is chasing the same thing, which is basically investment grade, high yield, um, you know income, and so and if you think about a typical pension fund, which, which is basically managing people's you know uh, retirements, right? And what they're looking for is safe, uh, reasonably priced, risk-adjusted return. And guess what? Backing single-family um, mortgages is, by every check, um, considered investment grade. Your these are primary residences, seconds, investment properties, but all you know residential. Uh, very like reasonable credit and throws off an appropriate yield. And basically these people want to buy those loans to get access to, to that kind of income.
1: Yeah. That, that makes all of this is now all starting to make a whole lot more sense because I, I never messed around with this stuff just because to your point at the opening of the show, it is such a pain point that it's just like, forget it. I don't even have time to mess with it. It takes too long.
0: So, do do they sell, do, does whoever you process the line of credit equity from, home equity from, do they sell it the same way? Like, you know, you get a mortgage and then they're selling, you know, you, your your mortgage has been sold 14 times in the next 14 days. Is, do they do that in the same kind of way? Because you're talking about how they bulk stuff, Tim was saying how they bulk stuff and then resell. Like, is that the game too? Because at some point you don't even know who your mortgage is through because you've gotten so many damn things in the mail. You're like, okay, well, I got it through this bank and I'm getting, and some of it is like just spam of people trying to get you to then re, re re up on their more. Like it's. it's
2: Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question, Zach. So two things, one behind the scenes. Yes. Mortgages, which are asset backed securities for, for lack of a better word, that is getting passed around in Wall Street so fast, it would make your head spin. But from the consumer perspective, right, let's say you went and got a nifty loan. We actually service those loans, which basically means that once a month, when you go to pay your interest that's due, you actually log back into the, you don't actually have to log into the portal because today it's all modern and automated, but let's just say you were curious and you wanna log into it real quick, you're gonna see us. So. The relationship remains and endures. And that's actually very strategic because we are setting this business up also for what's called future recapture. And that simply means that three, five, seven years in the future, when you are ready to either refinance your home equity loan, refinance all of your loans, or even frankly, go get a new loan, we want to be top of mind for you so that we hopefully gave you a fantastic experience today And guess what? I can offer you that same one-click refi three to five years from now when interest rates go back down. Because again, it's all about automation. So it's your choice. You don't have to come back to us. You can go get a 30 or 60-day loan, or you can just click the big button that says right there, Zach, click this button to save $400, and you're done. No bullshit. Click here, go. Or go and walk into a branch, sit down, talk to somebody, Go get a stack of forms to fill out. Choice is yours.
1: Who's your Who's your target market right now, or like on the onset? Who is your target market, and what have you found to be your the most adoptive? Uh, yeah, market? so
2: this is this is an, a really interesting part, and I wouldn't call it a pivot so much as a recalibration, or or maybe even a focus. But when we when you first set off this stuff, right? It's so funny, like I, I heard you guys talking about plans early on. And, and like one of my favorite quotes of all time is, you know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face, right? It's like planning's great, but really, I think the, the appropriate framework for any entrepreneur is being a, a, a learner of life and having a feedback loop that is real time, you, like I love the concept of strong conviction held loosely because you're constantly adapting to where that product market fit is. So when we first started this, we simply said, let's go build a digital mortgage platform, check. That's the holy grail. Let's have our first product be a home equity because it's very opportunistic given interest rates, check. What's our go-to market? I don't know, let's just go see. So obviously you can go to niftydoor.com right now and if you wanted to apply, but you know, honestly, I'm more of a to c guy anyway because I love the efficiency of, of those customer acquisition channels. And something that we were very pleasantly surprised by was the, the um, reception we've seen from our third-party partners. So we we basically did a debut on August 22nd. Um, not even, a, I think that's three and a half weeks ago. Um, we already have nine partners that are signed. We have twenty more, 24 more partner partners. Um, documents out pending their signature. And we're not even 30 days into this. And my initial goal was one in the first month. So we potentially are going to beat that goal by a 20 to 30 X within the first 30 days. So that feels really good. But what I, what that really means to me is we're going to triple down on the B2B C channel. We have no interest in going direct to consumer Um, Again, it doesn't mean a consumer couldn't find us, but our entire business model is about supporting the partners, which are the lenders, both bank and non-bank lenders, who today are in a a world of hurt because they've lost their refi business. They don't have good technology. We basically give them a fintech solution in a box with a bow. It's literally plug and play. And they are in business, engaging with their clients, offering a kick-ass product we
0: make them look good and that's how we win. So I'm I'm intre- I've always wondered this question just as as a consumer myself of stuff. So when I see something that says, "Oh, you're going to soft credit score," "Oh, you're going to be a hard credit scored." And, and I know you're you're very fresh into this and just have a handful, a couple dozen uh, customers at this point. But I, I do you have something set on that to see or or to track where people are bowing out if you will on that thing alone because to me like i feel like there's some people who feel like really confident about their credit score and then there's the other ones that are like well it's in this tweener stage and if i do this it goes down a little like i guess number one do you have any any analytics on that specific aspect of that and then i forgot what my second part was going to be so you can just well i'll riff off off
2: just the credit score one so a couple things one credit scores as a whole right now are much higher than they were, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. Um, For better or worse, when we got out of the financial crisis of 2008 and Dodd-Frank and all this good stuff, it imposed a lot more restrictions on credit. So we are totally different as a society and as an economy today. The underlying credit is very, very strong. The asset qualities are very strong and actually the underlying leverage is, is very good, meaning it's low, and there's not that much supply. So you have all the fundamentals are really lined up well for this type of product. Now, that being said, you asked about fallouts and what what happens. This is one of my favorite stories. Um, so last week, we had somebody come to the app, and um, they, they went through an application, and then they left, and we said, oh, wh- why'd you leave? And he said, well, actually, I have a credit union. And so I'm actually going to just go back to them. And I, you know, I said, look, totally understand that. Totally expect that. I, I have a credit union myself. They're, they, they're phenomenal um, entities to work with. And, but I also said to myself and to the team, I'm not worried about losing that one. Cause you know what, if that guy ends up coming back in a weird way, that's even better than if he was just an impulsive buyer in the first time. And guess what? Over the weekend, Monday morning, he came back and he said, I want to work with you. And I didn't even need to ask him why, because I already knew. And the answer is that, yes, his credit union offers it, and it's probably 75 days to close, whereas we can close on Saturday. So for most people, time and certainty is is high importance in modern lives. You know, when you click a button on Uber, there's a reason. It's because you value your time, and you want that Uber and the certainty to track him or her on the map and they're three minutes ETA away from you. And that's, that's modern life. So
1: yeah, the world is uh, it's definitely getting much, much faster. And with that, I, I as I'm thinking uh, I'm running around the neighborhood every morning, literally. And it's just, as the neighborhood, uh, certain, certain developments, they start to the house, the house start to age. And so it's like one by one, a new roof, is put in here a new roof is put in there i mean so is that something that some of your vendors they could have arrangements with these different roofing companies and just like 100%. one click checkout and like hey man i got a new roof that's gonna be put on next week
2: a hundred percent i'm actually really glad that you uh that you asked that question tim um so when you look at like what's our b hag here right our big hairy, audacious goal um we want to democratize access to your home equity so that your home equity is effectively like your own personal bank to be used to better finance your life. Now, obviously, our, our primary go-to-market today is we provide a white-labeled version to lenders because lenders are already in the business of helping customers get access to, you know, to get a mortgage. The next stage is actually enterprise. You mentioned roofers. Uh, Let's also talk about solar, right? So, if you want to go do a a, a solar project, the average budget is forty thousand bucks. Most people don't have forty thousand dollars just sitting in a checking account. You don't want to tap your four hundred one k. You don't want to certainly don't want to use a credit card for that. Where is the forty thousand bucks going to come from? What better way than tapping your own home equity? So, absolutely, you know, all these small businesses guys whether doing decks doing roofs, renovation projects, kitchens and bathroom models, uh, solar. They have a great product to offer their customers. Their missing tooth in that whole equation is, wouldn't it be awesome if, while I'm telling you about the solar, in one minute you can go and you know tap your, and see if you get instantly pre-qualified and finance this project. It, it helps the roofer, it helps the customer, and obviously it's, it's a way for us to uh, get this product out there.
0: Well, and to keep cash on board, I guess, where, you know, cash is king in that situation. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, just driving down my street this, this summer, you know, there was two or three times and there's not many houses on this street, but two or three of the houses had, you know, new HVAC units be put in, you know, those are, I don't know, seven to $15,000, yeah. um, and so it could be tied to that. And actually, I've I've wondered that too with um with the HVAC company that I use. And I was like, okay, well, like when this thing goes, you know, do do I pay you cash? How, you know, do you guys exactly do financing whatever? And so their thing is, oh, go get this credit card through Wells Fargo. That's literally exactly. what their like, website is. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Like, you you would think you would have a better process in there, um, but that was I, the, I, that was the solution. For, and 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 like you said, you know. Forty thousand dollars, you know, most people don't have forty thousand dollars in cash sitting around, nor if they do, do they want to spend that if they exactly in a different way? And so and, and know, even if and, and back to your credit card example, do you want to go put that on a consumer trade line,
2: high interest rate, short term debt, or do you want to match it with the financing of the actual asset for the benefit of whether it's the HVAC, the roof, or the solar panel? So like tie it to a twenty-five year you know, term loan, that's part of the asset that it was for, right? So there's just so many use cases where, you know, using your home, particularly in these direct examples, a roof, solar panel, HVAC systems, whatever. It's a no-brainer. You want to be able to do that programmatically. And like, you know, if you look at, remember when a firm came out with like Peloton bikes, right? And yes, that's buy now, pay later, which is slightly different. and, And they have their own headwinds right now. But if you really look at the philosophy of what they did, they had these big, beautiful bikes for 2,500 bucks and they put a big red button on the screen that said, click here and finance it. So it was kind of like a frictionless way to you know, get through that experience. Now, again, BNPLs are a totally different category and that's consumer debt and it taps out around 15 grand. But for 15 grand and up, What is the most effective, efficient, affordable way to finance something? And the answer is your home equity. And if you can create the same easy button, which has never really existed before, and literally have that big red button where for anything that's housing related, that's a responsible purchase for your family,
0: just click and go and you're done. And that's basically what we do what exactly is home equity or how do you guys define home equity just so you know just so that we have that definition out there so that anyone 38 minutes into this interview can say these hosts are terrible they haven't even defined what home equity is (laughs) like and and
2: no that's a you guys are actually really good with your questions because even people that i think would it's so i mean it's obvious to me because i've been doing this my whole life but even like my mother was like asked the exact same question i'm like mom you know the answer here but Um, no home equity is really simple. So let's take a house that's worth 500,000 bucks. And let's say that you have a first deed of trust mortgage with Chase bank, right? JP Morgan Chase, that's 250,000. So the simple math is you take the value of your home, subtract your first mortgage, and that is your equity. So that net math, it's $250,000. Now, The distinction is you don't want to lever up 100%, right? Because then you would have 100% debt and no remaining equity. That's that's not responsible for anybody. It's terrible for the lender. It's also terrible for the consumer. It's actually generally not good for, for society to have that much leverage. But a responsible amount of leverage would be to borrow up to about 80%. So in that math of $500,000 value, you have an existing 250, to go from 250 to 400,000, 400,000 being 80% of 500, would mean the math is you could tap $150,000 by clicking a button. Now you don't have to tap the full amount. If you wanted to do in your example, $15,000 HVAC job, just click it once for 15 grand, and then know that you can go back to the well if you want to go do a solar project for 40
0: grand next year, right? Well, you, you've mentioned multiple times that credit cards are more consumer and this is not consumer. Yep. What's the differentiation? Do, yeah. Know, so a consumer it's, loan It's early is, in the morning. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's
2: no look finances. I, I told a buddy of mine that, Hey, I'm going to do this mortgage business and, he literally said, look, I'd rather watch paint dry, right? I mean, mortgage is not the sexiest, you know, fit like uh, startup thing out there. And all these questions are really important, but most people don't. It's not top of mind. It's nine o'clock in the morning. You're, you're drinking your cup of coffee. For most people, they're not thinking about like breaking down the mortgage world. So these are important questions. I'm, I'm glad you're asking them. So a consumer loan is two things. One, it's unsecured. That means that it's not tied to any asset other than your name, okay? Two is it's not as regulated of a space as the mortgage business. The mortgage business has a lot of regulation. There are so many agencies that are making sure that you have good actors in the space, and I completely applaud those regulators uh, because I think it's really important that consumers as a whole have every protection afforded to them. So it's a highly regulated space, being in the mortgage business. And because it's a mortgage, it is secured to your home. So the difference is this, if you go get, let's say you wanna go finance your HVAC and there was a credit card offer to you, that 15,000 bucks is not secured at your home. It is literally just in your name. Whereas if you go get a home equity loan, which is a mortgage, it will be tied to your property. So for example, if somebody were to go like a title company were to later go and look up your, your property, they would see that you had a first mortgage for whatever amount, and they would also see that you had a $15,000 second mortgage uh, provided through Nifty Door. The benefit to you as a consumer is that the interest rate on a secured loan will always be less than the interest rate on an unsecured loan. So again, the average uh, interest rate right now for a credit card is 18%, and that's an average they go as high as 28, 29, 30%. Whereas the average home equity loan today is probably, you know, 8%. So way less, more than 50% less than, you know, borrowing it through that, uh, that credit card example.
1: You had mentioned, uh, when you mentioned your business name, Nifty Door, what's the, what's the meaning behind how you came up with that name?
2: Yeah. So. It's, it's So there's two meanings to Nifty. Um, and the most important one is really the consumer experience. And very simply put, how else would you describe a one-minute mortgage, right? Having built a, a fully autonomous automated system, I think it warrants the word Nifty because Nifty implies smart, fast, cool, intelligent, something that you're proud of that you want to, you know, hopefully share with with your client with your you know, family and friends, right? It's, it's Nifty. There is a second meaning to Nifty. As you can see, obviously, it's embedded in there is that NFT. And that is simply that, you know, from a consumer standpoint, yes, we've automated the application and it's an awesome experience. And then Zach, you said, well, what happens after you sell it? Doesn't it get like flopped around all over the world? The answer is yes. And believe it or not, in old school mortgages, you literally, they kill a tree. They print out like a couple hundred pages. You have to take a blue pen and sign everything. You have to stamp it with a notary. That goes into a FedEx truck. That FedEx truck literally bounces around the country depending on who the ultimate buyer of that loan is. I cannot make this stuff up. There's no reason for that. So we actually do e-mortgages, completely digital representations of a DOT, a deed of trust, which is a mortgage and we recorded on blockchain, right? So we have literally brought a new kind of paradigm shift of efficiency on capital markets. Now look, consumers like my mother, they don't care if Wall Street's more efficient, they don't. They care about certainty of close, good experience, and a fair rate with a good company. And that's why it's still nifty to her. But yes, to capital markets, to be able to say, listen, as an investor, You don't have to wait 60 days to receive the net interest. I can give it to you in seven days. What is the value afloat of truncating capital markets by 50 days on wall street? When you're talking about an asset class, that's trillions of dollars and light bulbs start to go off. This is a really, really, really big deal. Hmm.
0: Talked about that manual process and how many different people are are in the, in, in that scenario. You're, um, creating a lot of opportunity for the consumers and you are potentially killing a lot of jobs from other people from, uh, <laughs> you know, the manual process. I mean, are you getting pushback on that? Like are, are, I, I mean, I jokingly say that thing and you know, I, these things are, I, I think the digitization of this is going to happen anyway. And you see it, I mean, you go to the grocery store and people are going down the, the self-checkout lane, whatever, but, the are you getting pushback on the? Oh well, you know we need all those things because we need that person to print out all those things. We need someone to cut down those trees. We need someone to sign the papers, the notary to do this. There's all these opportunities. Like, do, do you get pushback from anyone in the mortgage banking, whatever you know, uh, the even the city space and stuff like that? Do you what what kind of pushback we, any, have you received? That, that's a very fair I question, I, I've heard it many
2: times. Um, so th- this is sort of my response to it. And I'll answer it both just macro technology and then specific to Nifty door as well. Macro technology, you know, technology is about efficiency. So anytime you have an inefficient process technology, I mean, you know, Andreessen Horowitz says software is eating the world. What they mean by that is, you know, any of these old school manual processes um, yeah, they're, 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 getting towards the end of of that paradigm. However, it does not necessarily mean, you know, immediate job loss and not a go forward plan. And, And let's talk about Nifty Door for a second. You know, a lot of these banks in particular, they are community, regional, relationship driven. That's amazing. I think that's a really important part of the sort of overall customer for life journey. That being said, if I'm going to walk into a regional community bank and sit down with the personal banking relationship that I've had for 20 years, they know my wife, they know my kids, we, we do things together, right? It's a bit of a bait and switch to go from that good experience, people to people, and then put me into a, an underwriting process. that's going to take me 60 days, bore me to tears, be super frustrating. That's a terrible experience. What a better way is to walk into that bank, shake hands, talk about our relationships together and be done and sign and walk away. That is phenomenally better. So now if you talk about, well, what about those people that used to have to print out my tax return, pour a humongous cup of coffee and read through hundreds of pages? Those people are better repurposed to be more client facing anyway. For example, we don't employ loan originators, we employ customer success people. So for people like my mother, who love to talk to people, she just wants to know that there's a warm person on the other line, hear their voice, and she, she kind of wants to be handheld through the journey. We support those people. But that's a way better use of personal capital to be focused on the relationship than sticking somebody in the basement with a flashlight and tearing through 100 pages when that's the whole purpose of technology is so that a human being does not need to be subject to that, you know, for, for decades of their life. Let them be more forward-facing and more value uh, creating than just reading tax returns.
1: Yeah. Didn't uh, better, better.com aren't didn't they just re- they they continue to let people go, don't they? Uh, in terms of layoffs. So it's it's like it's 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 an interesting situation in the sense of they a company like that needs the the transactions to fund the people. And then with interest rates rising, then they, they they decrease the amount of revenue they have. So then they have to let people go. So you're adding efficiencies to the whole. Yeah. So I, well. I,
2: I don't want to necessarily speak directly about them, but I will speak about this, the broader market. So for most mortgage companies, you have to appreciate that an increased interest rate was tremendous headwinds for the at least the business model of the last 5 years which was purchase and refinance. Refinance is completely dead. 97% of Americans have an interest rate with a 2 or a 3 handle in front of it. Interest rates today are at 6%. So if you have a 2.5% interest rate, under what circumstances would you refinance that at 6.5 today? There's absolutely yeah. no reason, which is why the mortgage industry as a whole Overnight or over 12 months, which is practically overnight, just lost 50% of its revenue, which is why you're seeing mass layoffs and mass bankruptcies and max uh, M&A under duress. It's it's all things bad, frankly, for an industry which was propped up for an old system, which is now gone. So that's an important thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing, too, is that we talked about the overuse of the word digital. So a lot of companies, they, they say they're digital, but actually if you look at their operations, it's, it's maybe partially digital, but not fully digital. So, uh, and the reason they got away with it was that there was so much money being printed in the old low interest rate days that even though the underlying margins were really, really thin, nobody cared because I would still take a low margin, high volume business any day. Right. And that's a rational. So everybody acted very rational. But now that now the wind just changed directions, volume fell off a cliff. So in a low volume, low margin business, is that interesting, especially when you have massive overhead? Imagine you were a grocery store, and you had 10 times the staff that you needed. I mean, it's a terrible situation to be in. But it's it's an obvious choice of what you need to do to sustain your business.
1: And I think that that's what, what a lot of people miss in terms of there's a lot of naysayers like, ah, technology, it's taken all the jobs away, but what people don't realize is that those are jobs that nobody wants. And those are jobs that are really, really hard to fill. So with autonomous driving and truckers, there's not enough truckers. Nobody wants yeah. to be a dishwasher. So if they want as they automate the dishwashing process, it just allows people to focus on higher paying, more skillful jobs.
2: I think like change, we're in we're such an interesting time in society, right, where I went to this incredible um, uh, speaker event like 10 years ago. It was Ray Kurzweil of, of Google, like deep mind, um, you know, just brilliant mind. And he was talking about, if you think about a, a line of growth, a linear line is very predictable. An exponential line begins like it's linear, but the compounding effect creates this inflection point, which is where the hockey stick comes from. So in the early side of that two graphs that are running parallel, they look the same, stable, predictable. However, technology is constantly changing and accelerating the path of progress. And we are now at that inflection point, which things are happening so quickly that you can't actually see around the corner anymore, which is on one hand scary because our lives are about to change. Look at the internet. Nobody saw that coming and certainly nobody predicted the impact it was going to have on our lives. The important thing for all of us in society is to just frankly stay nimble, be continuous learners of life, readapt your skills. If you are fixed in saying, no, this is the one job I want to do for the rest of my life for 80 more years, good luck. Your job is going to be replaced by robots one day, 100%. That does not mean that you get replaced so long as you're willing to go with the flow, relearn skills, read books, take classes, meet people. And just, you know, we're at the end of the day, I mean, people are people, it's people businesses, right? So just kind of
0: keep riding the waves. Right. One of the most difficult things to do is to, as a, as a business is to explain why you're trustworthy. And Mm -hmm. I think there's different aspects of that depending on the business, right? I'm going to a restaurant. I don't have to be that trustworthy because it's one meal, right? We're talking about in most people, the biggest asset that they have their home, right? Yes. You're new. You are telling these individuals that they can get something from you that they want. You All that. I think you we all would agree with at this point. But you have to now sell them that this thing that they've never heard of or understand isn't a scam, a spam and that you're trustworthy. I I could imagine as a marketer that's that's what I think I'm best at, right? Getting getting awareness and things like that. That's going to be at least in this early part the single hardest thing for people to, to to become trustworthy with you on? Like, are you seeing that already? How are you combating that? So, and I'll give you an example, right? So when Tim said better.com, I wasn't familiar with that. I went to their website and the first thing that it says is over 95 billion in home loans funded. So they can use that. That's their, even if you've never heard of, of better.com, you see that they, okay, have done 95 billion in transactions. A lot of people are trusting them. Right. So like you don't have those numbers yet. So what are you going to do to to push through and, and and show that, hey, by the way, not only are we real, not only can we help you, but you can trust us, too, because I think a lot of people in the digital space. They don't trust people. 100
2: percent. Another fantastic question. Um, so trust That's is like the four ultimate. for me today. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no, I mean, you're honestly you're, <laughs> bat, you're batting crazy. a thousand. Um, right. Uh, so trust is the ultimate currency, right? I mean, it is truly the the, the thing that drives um, economies, people, everything. And you're absolutely right. When you're talking about financial trust, um, that's a high bar to achieve. Um, and so one that's part of the reason. And look, trust is it's earned by the pinch and lost by the pound. And so if it's earned by the pinch, it's going to take us years and decades to to really establish, you know, really quality trust. Um, And so the way we decided to go about this was part of our customer acquisition strategy. Remember that all of the partners we serve, they've been in business for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They already have the trust with their customers. And so we saw the most efficient path forward was let's sell to the B2B side and then let the B side sell to the C side. And we knew that within the lender space, obviously, we're, we're dealing with a smaller audience here. We could establish the trust on a, on a couple of principles. Number one, they, they, many of them knew us, know our background, know what we're capable of. Number two, and most importantly, they see the product, they're able to kick the tires and make a you know, standalone decision on their self that this was, in fact, best in class product. And then whether or not, you know, it goes to the compliance side and even the marketing side. And they ask the same questions like, is this something that we want to, um, you know, push out to our customers? Because there's a reputational risk for them. They've spent 20 years building up their own brand. The last thing you want to do is now lose that trust by the pound, right? So this is all completely vetted by them. The beautiful thing, though, is that now they've accepted it. Now they're pushing it out. And so it's coming to you, not from Nifty Door, who I admit you've never heard of Nifty Door. We have a low brand ego here, but you're actually gonna get this through our partners like Atlantic Coast Mortgage, which was the first partner we announced. And by the way, when we when we made our debut on August 22nd, you know, behind the scenes, just to, to tell you the way we think, the very next press release we did was to announce the partnership with Atlantic Coast Mortgage. The reason we did that is they are a, an incredibly reputable brand uh, that is held in very high regard in this industry. So that was a small way for us to earn a pinch of trust by the broader lender community to say, wow, such a high regarded brand like ACN just chose uh, us over the landscape. Uh, so that was kind of how we are approaching the challenge, which is a very important one that you just asked about.
1: What um you being still a startup what are what are some areas that you need help with how can uh, those that are listening uh what what can they do to support you
2: you know i mean the startup life is is crazy as you guys know it's um on one hand you're supposed to have a plan but how can you have a plan because this thing never existed um every single day is is a new challenge um and so it's it's i mean i'm not complaining i i love the startup creation zero to one is 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 where I, I just I get very energized and excited. Um, the what we started with was some of the questions you guys asked about what's your go to market? How how are you going to get this thing out? And look, we've been very pleasantly surprised by the reception from the lenders that want to partner us with us and get this product out. So that not to say that box has been checked, but that that plate is spinning really well right now. It creates kind of a new set of problems on that capital market side of, we believe that there's a tremendous TAM here. Um, and we think there's gonna be a lot of like inbound. And so, you know, there's a whole now capital markets thing to make sure that we're pacing with it. Um, I think for, for the audience that's listening, I mean, any, for example, introductions to their favorite lender, community bank, credit union, if you want this product, uh, the best way for us to, to really service you is to put us in touch with with those partners, if you have um, some of these small business guys the roofers the landscapers the HVAC guys, solar, I think you know climate change and all of the you know the energy efficiencies that c- home can have, we can make that financing better that lubricates the experience it makes this more ubiquitous uh, so any and all of these like enterprise and lender introductions that are out there. Um, and, and just generally, you know, people that want to get involved and, and reach out. I mean, we're, you know, love, love talking to people and, and seeing we don't have all the answers. We just have a, a mission and anybody that wants to help that mission. Uh, obviously, we, we appreciate talking to them. What's
0: something we have not talked about that you would like to talk about if there is anything?
2: Oh, wow. That's a good one. No, um, Zach, you're rolling thousand. today, man. Yeah.
0: This is a big day for me. You know, I get to face my favorite, uh, my my favorite, my least favorite team in the entire world in a football game. Like, hmm, let's go! Yeah,
2: you know, I I don't necessarily think about. I mean, what questions haven't you asked? I mean, honestly, I take every day, just live in the present, and and go after it. I mean, the I read a great book three or four years ago called the uh, High Growth Handbook. High Growth Startup Handbook, something like that. And basically, the, I was, I'll sum it up. I'll probably butcher it. But the thesis I kind of grabbed from that book was never make plans beyond three months in a, in a high growth startup because like your world's going to change. It is such an exponential rate. So I would sort of, yes, you have a long ball mission and strategy, but the path by which you get there, it is not a straight line. It's twists and turns. It's it's being a learner. It's listening it's working with your team um, and, and just taking every challenge for what it's worth. And, and actually, I love concepts like never let a you know a crisis go to waste. I mean, I approach information with total indifference. I just want the information. It doesn't matter if it's bad or good. Rejections are actually great. Rejections are feedback. You have to get over the ego side. And, ha- and it is bruising. I mean, trust me, I've, I've been through so much rejection in my life. It's, it's miles high, but each of those is actually a little mini lesson if you actually listen to it. So Mm -hmm. get your head, you know, out of the sand and be a good listener and just take it for what it's worth. So I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, but I've, you know, taken a lot of, a lot of face shots
1: it's important lessons and not enough people have the, the viewpoint that you have because other people, they just run the other way, but it, to your point, it's, it's feedback. And if you learn from it, you didn't fail. You, you didn't miss out.
0: Yeah. Mark, it's been great.
1: Looking Zach, thank you.
0: Following uh, the journey. Yeah. Thank you.
1: All the best to you.
0: Appreciate it guys. All right.